Hello and welcome to the Leaders' Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on another cloudy day here in the capital as once again we ensure we have a variety of perspectives on leadership. My name is Scott Challoner and I'm delighted to first and foremost be joined on the programme today by Sally Dowden. Sally is the owner of Speyside Wildlife, a wildlife tour operating company based in the Cairngorms National Park in the Highlands of Scotland. Sally, very warm welcome to you and thank you ever so much for taking the time to join us on the programme today. Hello, you're very welcome. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Um, The purpose of our discussion is to establish first and foremost your take on leadership. So if we begin by taking that word leader aside and considering that in a bit more detail, I'm interested to understand what that word actually means to you and how it resonates on the whole. What should a leader be in your eyes? Uh, I think a a leader should be somebody uh, who actually shows um, clarity and calmness uh, and uh, direction for uh, those uh, around her. And uh, I think that uh, that's my main purpose. Uh, And uh, that's never more so than when you are in troubled times for any particular reason. And all the uh, issues that I have come across in my uh, time uh, owning and running Space Our Wildlife, uh, I think that's when leadership comes to the fore, uh, when people are looking to you to answer questions, uh, some of which are answerable and some of which are not, um, but to show clarity of thought process and calmness and to actually give people clear, uh, unambiguous direction. Um, so you can't answer all the questions all the time, but um, uh, you need to be able to explain to people why things are what they are and um, why you're all travelling in the direction that you're travelling in. I think you're absolutely right in saying that you have to recognise, even in a leadership position, that you're not um, essentially infallible, that you will, of course, make mistakes um, of your own yourself and there will always be learning curves. You're never really a finished product as such. And to be quite honest, I think being a leader and also being an employee, it's all a learning journey, isn't it? I don't think you can actually develop into somebody who is effective within your role without trying things, maybe getting one or two things wrong and then learning from them. I think everything is a, is a learning journey. And uh, uh, I think that's part of the reason that people uh, want to be leaders. It's certainly part of the reason I want to run my own business. Uh, I get uh, enormous satisfaction out of um, solving uh, problems. Um, and yes, uh, uh, over the 30 years I've been uh, running Space Our Wildlife, uh, every problem is different. Uh, and when you start the journey of the solution, you probably don't know um, uh, what the answer is going to be. And the great thing about having had 30 years experience is that you do learn by your mistakes mm. and um, and you hope as you go forward that um, you take them all on board and use them for the future. And business is currently, of course, trying to get over one of the biggest hurdles of our time and the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, no less. Um, have those 30 years experience that you've had prior to this, uh, Sally, really held you in good stead for this, do you think? Or is this truly an unprecedented challenge? Uh, it, it's truly unprecedented. Um, obviously, for the years that I've been in operation, we have um, come successfully through um, uh, things like um, uh, uh, 9-11 and ash clouds in moving people uh, around the world. 
uh, there's been nothing um, to um, compare to what, uh, unfortunately, we're all going through in in various uh, ways, uh, tragically, uh, at the moment. But yes, all the decisions that we have made as a business, um, all of which uh, eventually uh, come down to uh, on my shoulders, uh, they've all been driven by uh, the experiences we've had over the years. Uh, and that clarity of thought process uh, and giving people comfort and um, uh, a way forward um, when, um, uh, when it appears to the outside world that there is no way forward. And just how has it been from a business perspective, sort of managing the challenges of the uh, the lockdown um, as well? Because I can imagine that that certainly had an impact. Uh, it's had a colossal impact. Um, we have not uh, had uh, any holidays running since uh, the end uh, of March, uh, nor any of our other uh, wildlife watching experiences. And so what I wanted to do right from day one uh, was not only give everybody clarity, but give my um, guests and therefore ultimately my staff um, comfort and peace of mind uh, going forward. And uh, uh, although we all think that we've been in this uh, virtually forever at the moment, uh, in those first few weeks um, when nobody knew what uh, was happening and what the future was going to bring, I think our greatest strength was giving everybody that uh, clarity and peace of mind and I took the view on day one that because nobody had any answers and nobody really knew what was doing uh, the greatest peace of mind that I could give to my guests was to allow them uh, to transfer their current year bookings uh, onto the same holidays next year and uh, I have a very very loyal client base who uh, lots of them have been with us um, for a number of years and I'm delighted that um, the 95% of them have very graciously transferred all their bookings from this year to next year. And I think that peace of mind was what I gave them. And um, I am extremely grateful that they were very gracious uh, and they accepted it. And um, they've been very keen to see us survive and continue uh, and um, get through this awful situation. And I think we've seen um, a lot of sort of triumph in adversity, people really bringing out the sort of the best in themselves uh, during uh, this period and reminding us that everybody is in this boat and we're certainly not alone, even in leadership positions um, on trying to get through this. Um, I suppose it is only natural for people within businesses as well to kind of look up the hierarchical ladder, as it were, to their managers and executives for that direction and reassurance during this time. And of course, you mentioned there that that's exactly what you've been providing. But when you are the person at the top of a business and there's nobody really for you to look up to during a time like this, when you just need that little bit of inspiration for yourself, where is it that you look to for that? Uh, I, I look uh, in a variety of places. I, I'm very lucky. We have a very active um, business association, the Cairngorms Business Partnership within the Cairngorms National Park. And I'm also a member of Wild Scotland, which is the National Association of Wildlife and Adventure Operators in Scotland. Uh, and it has been extremely noticeable through um, this awful time that uh, everybody has wanted to work together within those organizations and to share ideas and thoughts 
and give suggestions uh, and try uh, solutions and um, uh, and you get strength from uh, from all those people because um, uh, we're all uh, there are a large number of you know relatively small businesses um, in um, in both those areas and um, we all know that we're going through the same thing. So um, you do get strength from each other uh, at that point. I also get a huge amount of strength from uh, the people I work with. So um, uh, my guides, uh, most of whom have been with me since the beginning uh, and are self-employed. They, they have other strings to their bows. Um, I, I have tested ideas and thoughts with them throughout uh, this uh, period, just as I always do. There's there's absolutely no point in trying to come uh, to decisions uh, in splendid isolation. You only reach mm. the right decision if you all talk it through together. Exactly. You have to keep the communication channels open. And when we think about as well, sort of drawing that strength from each other, as you were rightly mentioned there, Sally, um, how important do you think it is in leadership to safeguard mental health and well-being? And that goes for not just yourself, but also that of those around you. Uh, I think it's absolutely crucial. Uh, and I say that um, seeing what, it's have, what effect it's having on people uh, around me and not least uh, upon myself. Uh, I know uh, because I reached it last week, I know where my parameters are uh, and um, uh, that mental health and well-being uh, has to be protected and um, I I try and do that at all times anyway um, uh, with my staff and um, and the people around me but I, I know what it is because I know what my own parameters are mm. and I know that when I reach them, uh, I have to stop because I'm no use to anybody um, if I've just keeled over. Of course. And if this this may sound like a little bit of a meaner question, Sally, but considering the experience that you've had, not just over the last 30 years, but also in managing crises, as you mentioned, such as sort of 9-11, the recession and also the COVID-19 situation now, if you could go back to, say, 1990, 1991, when you first became involved with Spaceside Wildlife, um, if you could give some advice to the younger version of yourself, what would you tell them? <laughs> um. Uh, I, I, I get a bit frightened about giving that advice. I think that's a really silly thing to say. But I know that when we decided to set up the business, uh, it was uh, a very new area uh, within the tourism industry. And I know uh, from all the conversations I had at the time uh, that um, there were lots of people around who thought that nobody would ever want to pay to go out wildlife watching and see uh, the natural environment. Uh, and um, uh, and I think that possibly with the arrogance of youth, um, not that that's gone away very much, um, uh, we knew exactly what we wanted to achieve and we wanted to give people the kind of experiences that we were having ourselves through watching wildlife. And so there was a, a huge leap of faith and a huge uh, leap in the dark. And and part of me thinks that most businesses need that rather than yeah. um, uh, lots and lots of people giving them lots and lots of advice. Uh, you have to go with that leap of faith at the, the end of the day. Um, uh, is, is there anything with the benefit of hindsight um, that I would say 
uh, to do differently. Um, not an awful lot. Um, mm. It's just having that faith in yourself. We we listen to an awful lot of people, and I think you have to always listen to uh, an awful lot of people. Um, but we we knew the natural world, and we knew that people uh, loved it. And I'm delighted that um, that has only grown over the years, um, and um, uh, and that more people, especially in in these times, uh, uh, they have looked to the natural world and the natural environment to give them uh, that level of comfort. I think the key message to take away from that, Sally, is certainly that in business you have to, at one point or another, take risks and make sure that they are measured risks as and when they do have to come around. And having reflected on uh, the uh, the past there, it only serves that we talk about the future as well, just before we do wrap things up on the uh, the programme. Um, with all going on in the world at the moment, we're seeing lockdown restrictions, of course, uh, gradually lifted, not quite unilaterally, of course, um, in your case, given that... Um, Hollywood is maybe lifting certain restrictions, not quite in line with Westminster. But as we start to see things reopening, we start to see a return to this new normal that everybody's talking about. What do you envision for for the next year for yourself and for Speyside Wildlife? And what do you really hope to achieve? Uh, I um, uh, I hope that we all manage to uh, achieve uh, something effective that um, uh, safeguards us to some extent from um, uh, from this awful virus. Uh, I have no idea what that is. Um, and I fully accept, as, as most people do, um, that certain things uh, are changing and they probably uh, won't change back. I'm, I do think it's given people a, a greater uh, depth of feeling for the natural environment. And I'm delighted that we're involved with that, uh, showing people real things um, in real time, in real places. And I think that's going to be a huge strength for everyone uh, going forward. So I, I think um, that will only increase. I don't think it will uh, decrease. Um, I hope that um, I, I hope we have a greater sense of care um, uh, about what's important um, uh, in life and, um, and what's not important. And if that means slowing down slightly and all the economic implications that that uh, produces, then that might not be uh, any bad thing. Uh, And I say that knowing that, um, you know, I I know exactly how um, wealth creation uh, occurs. So um, uh, I'm not expecting us to live on nothing. Um, But um, uh, I, I, I know that we should do things slightly differently in our holidays, but the very fact that what we do is is show people real things in real places in real time is not actually going to change significantly for us. Um, I, I think it's just going to make it more special for people. And it's going to be really interesting uh, to see just how things transpire over the uh, the next few months. And let's hope that there is some positive uh, news to share um, on that side of things, uh, Sally, for sure, in terms of how Speyside Wildlife gets on as things begin to return in earnest. And, you know, I think it would be fantastic to catch up at some point in the next few months and just see how things are getting on in that respect and just what sort of shape this new normal is really taking. You'd be very welcome, yes. I, um, uh, I'm not looking forward to it with great glee, um, but I'm very happy to, to look forward to it and um, uh, and uh, see uh, where we are um, in, in a year's time. 
of course, because at this point we can really only speculate given the amount of variables that are there. Um, Sally, I have to say it's been a real pleasure having you join us on the uh, the programme to discuss your experience of not just the pandemic, but also your take on leadership. And um, until we do hopefully speak again in future, most importantly, do take care and do stay safe with all still going on because we're certainly not out of the woods with this one yet. No, no. Thank you very much. And for those tuning in, do please continue to be sensible and safeguard others where you can because it really does make a tangible difference in saving lives. Um, I was speaking today to Sally Dowden, owner of Speyside Wildlife. Coming up next on the programme today, I'll be handing over to Jonathan White for his exclusive interview with Liz Field, the Chief Executive of the Personal Investment Management and Financial Advice Association, the trade body for firms who provide such services for both individuals and families. I hope that you enjoy listening to the interview just as much as Jonathan relished the opportunity to speak with Liz and all of that is of course coming up next. I'm Jonathan White and we're joined today by Liz Field, CEO of PIMFA, Personal Investment Management and Financial Advice Association. What a great mouthful. Liz, thank you very much for coming on today. No, thank you for inviting me. No, not a problem, a complete pleasure and I think uh, it would be a great place to start if we may. There's maybe a little bit of background uh, for the listeners. Obviously PIMFA does work in uh, uh, across the board these days, but of course it was only founded uh, uh, three years ago when, of course, um, uh, MAPFA and uh, the WMA were merged. That's right, yes. Um, I think it really was a, a reflection of of where the industry was going in terms of uh, the provision of financial advice and helping individuals with their um, personal financial futures that we felt that it was necessary for the two bodies to merge together. Um, but both, had, well, certainly the Wealth Management Association and its predecessors have been around for nine, well, nearly 30 years yes. now, actually. But you're quite right. Um, as PIMFA, it's, it's been nearly three years now. And the, uh, probably a very wise move because uh, the, the uh, uh, PIMFA's been going from strength to strength uh, since. Uh, what would you say at the moment uh, is, are, are the priorities uh, for yourselves there? Um, I think there are a number of priorities. I mean, we represent a diverse group of um, of businesses which all have one thing in common, which is that they face the clients, they, they face the consumer. Um, so whether that is face-to-face or whether that is um, online, uh, it's all about helping individuals to plan and save and invest um, for themselves and for their families. Uh, but we're going through uh, a number of, of key challenges. I mean, um, looking at a, 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 a macro level, if you like, um, markets are a little turbulent. Um, it's, it's very challenging um, to... Um, kind of navigate the the uh, investment management world so uh, even more reason why you need a financial advisor and uh, and an investment management firm to help you um, because it is quite a complex arena and that's not helped by the lack of financial education uh, more generally so um, if you have that as a backdrop uh, and then politically you have what's going on um, with post-Brexit and where the rules are going to come from in future, all of that is still to be negotiated. Um, so it, it's a whole melting pot of issues that uh, that our firms are trying to face. 
Oh, without a doubt. I think uh, it maybe leaves you quite a few understatements there in terms of the challenges that are yes. occurring <laughs> at the moment. But there's quite a lot to pick up uh, uh, on the on those points because uh, I th- I think it's 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 a, it's a unique time almost, Liz, isn't it, where there are a different set of challenges that advisors and individuals are uh, being confronted with from a lot of different angles. Um, and perhaps if we can start, let's start at the beginning, in fact, you bring up the issue of financial education. Yeah. Now, that's something I think uh, you can talk to anybody in the business and they'd agree with you on that front, Liz. We don't do it properly in this country. Where no. do you think, Liz, it should start from and how do we fix it? Okay, so I think, I mean, the first thing to say is that there's a lot of fantastic effort that we see across the whole of the financial services sector, uh, our sector um, amongst that, where they they try and go into schools um, and provide financial education. You go onto any website um, of some of our members and they've got some great educational material. Um, but there isn't a national framework that 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 wraps itself around the whole of the financial education efforts within our industry. And without that, um, I think they're, they're the the businesses are facing a lot of um, barriers when it comes to actually getting into schools. Um, I mean, financial education is part of the, um, per, I think it's personal health and social education um, a piece of the curriculum, but there isn't an exam um, that's at the end of it. So when it comes to schools and, and how they're being judged, it's on metrics such as um, exams and without an exam for financial education, um, I think uh, it's go- it's just it's just going to keep coming up against the same barriers. Mm. Um, and financial education is not the same as maths. So uh, what we'd also mm. quite like to see is is that we have more um, kind of money type questions within the maths curriculum because that will also then bring it to life uh, for young people for uh, youngsters and you know school kids it will bring it to life because it's about things that they have to deal with or you know that they they deal with on a day-to-day basis which is money so the more that we have that is populated in the curriculum that is about money um, the better I think because that then we'll start to promote a culture of of savings and investments, which we so badly need in our in 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 our yes. um, in our country, without a doubt, Liz. Because and again, you've hit the nail on the head. Because there's only so much that can be done without the involvement of the curriculum in schools. Yeah, uh, and you know, you can, as you've pointed out very well, uh, companies can try all they all they might, but it's difficult if it's not a, a joint effort. Uh, yeah, and I think as um, uh, for example, uh, with with the new government we have, there have already been positive noises at the very least. Whether they become actions is another <laughs> uh, thing entirely regarding what you could consider a, for, uh, uh, a far more applied mathematics in, in a lot of uh, uh, the system. But ty- time will tell. And that's something I think we could probably dedicate in the next hour to. Liz, yes, I think you're right. <laughs> we probably shouldn't. Um, now, looking at, at a couple of other points to pick up that you've already raised, here, Liz, uh, and it goes back to the word you've already said, which is uncertainty. Uh, it, it seems as if 
the markets, investors, people, we've been in a state of limbo for the last three and a half years. Uh, we're talking, of course, three months after, two months after uh, a general election that resulted in a, a large majority for the Conservative Party, and therefore at least we have now uh, uh, left the European Union without without dragging you down the political rabbit hole here, at least. Is there a hope now that because of that clarity, we may start to see a far more s- far more certainty in the market? And what are your hopes for the next twelve months? Um, I think I think that's, that we've still got a little way to go because um, whilst you know thirty first of January came and went, um, you know we're now we're now in a negotiation period. We're now in a transition period, mm-hmm. um, and for for UK. Um, savers and uh, and investors. Uh, in terms of where the rules are made, there's still there's still not some clarity about that. Um, you know, we're we're still uh, well. We don't know yet whether we're still tied um, or will be tied to the um, European rulemaking um, down the line. That's still to be negotiated. I mean, we've always said that actually for for savers and investors, we need stability in the markets and we need access to funds. Um, however, it, you know. The, the majority of our of our firms look after UK savers, um, and therefore, a one of the positives we see is the ability to have a a rule book that makes sense for UK savers and investors and UK firms. Um, so there's an uh, we think that there's an opportunity there with definitely without um, watering down regulation. So we're definitely not talking about less regulation. Yes. What we're talking about is smarter mm. regulation, which makes sense for firms and makes sense for clients. Um, and as we've got a very unique industry in terms of savings and investments um, um, in Europe, in Europe, England or U- the UK rather and and Ireland are unique amongst our European counterparties. So when you have a European rule book or a rule book that is set in Europe that doesn't bear any relation to the model of intermediation that we have here, that has caused us problems in the past, and we're hoping that we will be able to affect that in the future with a local regulator and a local rule and a local rulemaker. But we will see. That is still all part of the of the melting pot. So whilst I'd like to be posi- positive and, and optimistic about the market, <laughs> um, we've still got this period um, of, uh, of negotiation and uh, until we see where we go to with that. Uh, and of course, you've got financial services and fisheries amongst yeah, the same piece, you know. <laughs> famous fellows, aren't they? Indeed. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. So we've still got to wait and see, I think. It, absolutely. Um, and it will be a, a interesting year, if nothing else. Um, yeah. uh, now, you, you, you mentioned there, at least uh, the role of, uh, of course, regulators. I know uh, in the last month or so, obviously, uh, PIMFA has. Uh, given its fair amount of critique to um, the SEA, um, are they at the moment doing their job correctly? Um, I think part I I don't envy the regulator one iota. Um, uh, I think if you look at the 
the number of people that they have in the supervisory team and the number of firms that they have to regulate, um, it, it, it is not an enviable job um, by any stretch of the imagination. Yes, we have been critical, not least of all because we are expecting um, better supervision to prevent firms from failing and certainly to prevent firms from failing in the spectacular way that they have uh, in the last few years, which has impacted on the size of the financial services compensation scheme levy. And this levy is paid for by by firms within the industry. And our firms are a majority of small to medium-sized firms, and their bills have gone up exponentially. Our criticism is that, you know, we we don't object to having an FSCS levy um, or, you know, the lifeboat funds to pay, you know, recompense to to consumers. Uh, and, and our view is, has always been that the polluter pays. But the polluters have, have long since folded by the time mm. it comes to any payment, which means that good firms are paying for bad firms. So the system, we believe, is broken. Um, and, and I think that is about the regulatory perimeter. Um, you know, what is it that the, that the lifeboat fund should be protecting? The perimeter is too big. So that, you know, what is the nature of risk? That all needs to be um, uh, redefined, we believe, and recalibrated, which then enables you to determine well, if that's what risk is, then how do we protect it and how do we levy for it? Mm. Um, and that is all linked to better supervision. So that is something we have been critical about. Um, we're in the process of finalizing a paper, uh, which we um, which we have positioned in a constructive manner, which is these are some of the things that we believe FCA, you should be looking at in your supervisory process. And we want to help you to do your job better. Now, I, I know there's no such thing as a, a magic wand, Liz, and perhaps it'll be putting you on the spot. <laughs> but if, let's imagine, let's, let's imagine you did have one, just for, the, just for this afternoon, perhaps. And you were able to change one thing about that uh, system. And perhaps I shouldn't ask this, because if your report isn't out yet, you might well want to reveal something that's in it. Um, but if you could... <laughs> Um, what, what would be your number one priority? If we, if we were to, if I were, my number one priority to, to solve the system in terms of reform. In terms of reform, mm. what regulatory yeah, reform yes. you mean? Um, I think. Oh goodness me, the one thing. Um, it is a bit of a mean I, question. Uh, it <laughs> is. Gosh, yes. Wow. Um, I, I think it's about the regulatory perimeter. Sure. Um, I, I think let's have a look at the regulatory perimeter. Um, which is, you know, gives some certainty to to clients about what is protected and what is not protected, which also then gives some assurity both to them and also to the advisors who have to advise those clients on what what's the pathway to success for them and what and and I think if there's some clarity around all of that, then everybody will be will be better off. Now, I'm conscious of the time here, Liz. It's already catching up with us. So perhaps if we can take a, a, a little step back and uh, and look at, um, at the operations of PIMFOR again, it's what PIMFOR do, does so well is its ability to build relationships with so many uh, different uh, organisations. Can 
that really is be underestimated the importance of having those working relationships with with the departments and the organizations that you do have no i don't i, I think it's absolutely fundamental um to any business actually mm. but it's certainly something that that we have it in the middle of the stick of rock that is PIMFA. Uh, I mean, we talk about the, you know, the values that we have as an organization. We, we are a small organization uh, and we can't do our job unless we work in partnership and collaboration with others. So relationship building um, and maintaining and creating a good foundation of relationships is absolutely fundamental to what we do. Without a doubt. And I think that's the key point, Liz, isn't it, that that's so applicable to any realm, whether it's business or, or politics or uh, any areas of life. And I think and because of the time here, we, we, I, I must start to wrap up. But um, perhaps I can ask, Liz, looking forward, and I know the next 12 months is full of uncertainty, what are uh, the plans PIMFA has for it nonetheless? Um, so I think our well, our key priority this this next twelve months is 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 to be talking um, much more, um, and we 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 have been lobbying um, a fair bit on this. But because of Brexit, um, our ability to actually kind of get into um, see the policymakers on both sides, I think, to have that dialogue has been a challenge. Um, but we're finding that that is changing. They, you know, they, they want to hear from us. So I think our priority is around that regulatory perimeter. Um, and what does, what does regulation look like for, uh, for us moving forward? But at the same time, it's not just about the future of regulation, but it's also about the future of supervision because the two of those go hand in hand. Um, so those those two um, are kind of what are, are the main the main areas over the course of this next year. Having said that, um, you know we have a manifesto that's got six that's got six pillars in it, um, and regulation and supervision and the future of that is is just. Um, Kind of is just one of those things. There are a whole host of another of other things promoting the sector as a as a force for good and as an integral part of a of an individual's kit bag um, for financial and mental well being uh, is is another key strand of, of activity. So I think future of regulation, future of supervision, and then promoting the sector as an integral part of uh, of um, everybody's kit bag in building their personal financial futures. Well, Liz, there might never be uh, a more important year uh, or has not been in a while that will determine the future all of those things and perhaps never a year where so many people pay attention to what happens to Britain's fish stocks. Um, but it's been <laughs> Liz, an absolute pleasure discussing that uh, leadership with you today. Uh, I hope very much we can sit down perhaps later this year uh, when there's a bit more clarity perhaps and talk through a few more things. Thank you. I would love to do that. Thank you very much. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I've been your host, Scott Challoner. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, or other guests of any other person therein associated.